Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm here with Origami. Origami creates DAOs. And uh, frankly, we've been doing a lot of Twitter spaces and a lot of activity on Twitter. And guess which guest ends up being one of the most popular guests on all these events that we do? It's a guy named Matei who is part of a DAO called Kift. And I've been watching him on Twitter because he's living in a van, traveling all over to who knows where with his dog, taking these epic photos that look perfectly Instagrammable and tr truthfully sometimes having issues like his wheels will get stuck in the sand, but living the best life and living his best life. And he can do it because he's part of this DAO called Kift, which well, we're going to find out about today because I've got the the founder of it. His name is Connell. Connell. I've combined your names. Colin O'Donnell. And Colin, it's good to have you here. Where are you? I am currently in Baja, um, right in southernmost tip, actually with Matai. And uh, yeah, super, super excited to be traveling with him and about 30 other KIFT uh, members. And so tell me how this works right now. What does he, as an NFT holder, have and what is in the community now? And then we'll talk about the future. So we're a, uh, we are a membership organization. We're a community. And we share space together. So we, we realize that there's a better way to live outside of cities where we can... Um, you know, be closer to nature and hang out with cool, interesting people without the expense and overhead that you find in cities. So we have four properties currently from the Pacific Northwest down to Southern California. And we go, we found this hack where we use camper vans as a, as a bedroom, as a mobile bedroom. And uh, we can kind of take a two bedroom house in some beautiful location near a national park and turn it into a 20 unit apartment building overnight. Um, so all of our members are NFT holders, and we all vote on community um, decisions. And we also use the uh, the treasury from the NFTs. We're uh, we're saving up to purchase our first property. So we see it the future as a, a fluid change locations whenever you want. Come together with your closest. Uh, friends and chosen family and be able to, you know, live that life that Matai um, so well demonstrates. And the idea is that eventually he and other members will be able to go to any one of the properties that Kift owns and have it feel like home, be able to stay with his van, have a community of people who are who are people that he would like to spend time with and maybe meet one or two of them and drive out to another location and throughout all this continue to work online because the internet is becoming ubiquitous. Yep. And that's not a eventually that's a here and now we've been doing that for about a, a year. So, um, yeah, we have about a hundred people on site changing locations, coming together. We also have little, um, have campouts where we might have a hundred people come and people play music and, put on events for each other. We are all working professionally, doing various jobs from storytelling to programming to, uh, you know, coaching. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we, Starlink has really changed the game. I mean, really a year ago, this was not possible to be working, um, in Southern Baja on a beach or in the mountains. And today it is. So yeah, eventually we really see, um, 
purchasing and building a much larger locations where we could have, you know, dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people living in community, um, all part of a self-governing, self-funded group. And so is this more than just buying a ticket to a community? Is it also ownership of it, meaning that if I, Andrew, who's not part of KIFT, come in, can I can I rent space in there, and then that money will go into the treasury and eventually create an, a growing a growing pool of money and a growing asset that if any one of your members wants to cash out because they're ready to stop van lifing or retire, they've built up some asset, or is that not part of the vision? So. Um your NFT is really your, your governance token, and it gets you in the door and gets you voting rights, and we use the revenue from that NFT to, um, you know, collectively we'll, we'll decide what to do with that, and that is the mission is to purchase real estate together. So um, it's really not a, an investment tool, but it does give you rights to governance, which if you've ever been a tenant and you've wanted your landlord to do something, and we all know how difficult or what a horrible experience that is sort of being at somebody else's mercy and so this really puts those tools of change and governance right in your hands and your friends hands and so we think this is just the future way of of really um of governing together and so we're all experimenting here it's not like simple it's not easy it's a collective decision making it's probably one of the hardest things you can do Um, but we think this is a better form talk to me about the vision what's if you could do this the way you imagine it, what are we going to see 5, 10, 20 years in the future? So I think there's like an amazing thing that's happening right now. Um, just cities are going through a, a transition where we're going from, uh, you know, we went from a factory-based, factory-centered city in the late 1800s to an office-centered city in the 1900s. And now all the things that cities, the concrete and steel cities used to offer, they used to offer the culture, the music, the entertainment, the education, the information sharing, the employment, all that obviously has moved online. And the, op- the offerings online have just been growing at an exponential rate while the offerings in the city have been stagnating or, or getting worse. They've been getting dirtier. They've been getting more difficult to access, more expensive. And meanwhile, you can be out in nature and access the latest music, access great paying jobs. So we think that the city, these office-based cities of the, of the um, 20th century are really um, in for a massive change. And we think that there's a new opportunity to build a city that is not centered on offices or factories, but really focused on the human connection and what we really can't get online, which is you know access to nature, access to each other, uh, coming together. And so instead of maybe cities of office buildings or factories, we're building cities of parks and places to to eat together, food halls and plazas and piazzas. So we think the fr- and we think this is a distributed city, much like the network state that Balaji uh, described. Um, we think that that can happen on the the, the state um, scale, but we think what happens on the city scale is just even more important because that's something that we all interact with every day, and that's likely a digital community of people who know each other, hang out together, um, as well as a physical place where you can come together. And I think that physical place is going to not just be a single place, but it's going to be... Um, 
maybe it's going to be Portugal for a couple months and then Austin for a few months and then up in Oregon for a couple months. And you want to show up and know that you can work and know that you share the same culture and that you can have the intellectual stimulation and creativity that you look for in a city. And so we really think that over the next 10 years, the shape of cities is going to change from a monolithic place to a really distributed place, probably smaller um, gathering spaces and tight affinity groups that come together online and uh, show up in, uh, in physical space together. It's interesting. The Balaji is talking about the network state that it's an online group of people who start to buy offline assets and then get recognized by by other states, maybe first by, by states within the U.S. or small uh, communities, but eventually by countries. You're saying, well... The city is even more important than the country right now because that city experience is what people experience in their lives day to day. I think we should, with KIFT, be recreating that. The state can come later. The city, the environment, the friends, the connections, that's what we need to focus on now. It's these networks of people, and I think statehoods have like really interesting you know, definitions. They have boundaries, and they have, like, I don't know, they can do things maybe that we're not interested in, like uh, purchasing weapons or coming up with trade agreements. It's like, for me, that's a bit um, too much. What I'm interested in is what can these groups of people do together? And so once we start to collectivize, can we actually provide services that the government, uh, we've been asking the government to provide, but we can't come to a decision on that. And so could you, you know, can we start to take on some things like single payer health care? Um, you know, could we create a city that had a universal basic income? Uh, we think there's so many different things that we can do collectively that if we just take the bureaucracy of the government out of the way, we could just actually start to do them. Okay. And so today it's Vans, the people who are part of KIFT. Why is, what is it called? Why is it called KIFT? Um, KIFT was this kind of cool, like, turn of the last century, back to the land movement in the UK where... Um, actually is like an alternative to the Boy Scouts. They, they, they got a little more, uh, got a little more freaky with their ceremonies and rituals and just really had a, a really interesting, um, desire to spread peace and love and harmony across the planet. And so we thought it was a, a, a cool, um, group to, to recognize and just a little recognized group. And it was called Kibo at first, right? What was yeah. Kibo? It's the same. It's actually called the the Kibo Kift was the group, and um, I see. And yeah, due to some potential confusion in the marketplace, we changed our name to Kift. Okay, and so the vision is today: members will have vans, but in the future, it could be small houses and maybe even any other kind of structure, right? Yeah, I mean, vans, first off, are magical. They're like, you don't have to pack a bag to change locations. You just turn your key and your entire bedroom goes with you. All of your personal mm-hmm. stuff, you know, your books. So it's way more convenient than packing a backpack and only, and say, going from a you know, co-living space to a co-living space where you don't have all of your things. The van is really a, an ideal thing. It's also, you know, we think, like many people, the future of... Um, Housing is, uh, you know, manufactured off-site. Um, these are basically tiny homes on wheels, and the cost of adding a drivetrain isn't that much more than a, a an ADU that you would put behind your house. 
um, so we think they're really vital um, long term. They're really um, central. But we also recognize that people who have been living in apartments or houses, you know, that might be like, okay, I want to be in community, but like maybe the van is too much. I want some more space. So we're looking at creating uh, spaces that would be um, accessible to all people. And so people who are in vans, people who maybe want to live in a co-living community house with, you know, 10, 15 other folks, someone might want a cabin or a glamping tent. So we've actually just started um, a partnership with Jupe, who makes these really cool uh, portable bedrooms. It's basically like the Tesla skateboard of a, of a glamping tent. And we've just dropped a couple out at one of our locations and to test that out to see like how the community grows beyond um, people just in vans. How is it spelled? I'm looking it up because, dude, I freaking love your vibe, your sensibility, your design. Like, it's so I'm feeling like if you like it, I want to get one just for my house here. Oh, is it J U U P? J U P E. J U P E. Have you yeah. always had this vibe? Like, usually people who have been like in tech the way that you were, you're the guy who turned phone booths in New York into little Wi Fi stations. They look like dorks. You look like the kind of guy that we would watch on TV and want to emulate, want to be oh, like. Man. I'd have a poster of you if I was in a teenager. I'd have a poster of you on my wall to try to look like you and feel bad that I have Middle Eastern roots and could never look like you. I am so flattered, and I love your Middle Eastern roots. And, uh, <laughs> I've learned um, to really come to terms and enjoy it. Yes, you should. Um, no, I just, I mean, I think design is so important and just like, it conveys so many things and um it's also i think the the smallest investment that you can make that will continue to pay on forever and you know you can build some huge platform for millions and millions of dollars and if you haven't really cared about the design maybe no one wants to use it or they devalue it so right. you know i appreciate that you recognize uh that you like our design uh, we definitely want to try and make it accessible to everyone um as well as just convey that you know we're about diversity, equity, inclusion. We're about sustainability. We're about caring for each other, for the planet. Um, and I think what about bathrooms? Often, yeah, this place looks beautiful. And bathrooms. We're also about. What do bathrooms. you do about a bathroom when you have one um, of these jutes? Jupes. Oh, what's well, interesting? Jupe just launched a toilet, which is they did. Uh, yeah, like the Tesla of toilets. I think if you look in the top there, it's I pretty dope. It. I mean, usually we take a an existing house and turn the bedrooms into co-working and we use the kitchen we use the bathrooms most of them have like hot tubs or saunas and you know because we can actually if you have 20 people sharing a house you can actually afford to get a really decent house um and and these places where these houses are like near zion say or near um olympia national park or joshua tree park those houses haven't had internet in the past and six months ago they didn't have internet you know, it might have had a one meg dial up and nobody wanted to be there. You really couldn't, you couldn't operate, you couldn't buy things, you couldn't get, um, you know, um, weird parts for your sprinter van or like, you know, present for your friend. Now it's now with Starlink, with Amazon, with, you know, online delivery services, it's actually easier to live outside of the cities and near a national park than it is to live in a city. And I have better access to um, retail, to entertainment, to, you know, whatever it is. I don't actually, I, sometimes I'll spend a month on at a site and we'll be doing yoga every day. We'll be doing exercise. We'll be doing meditation. 
uh, we'll be eating. I say we're like, we're the best restaurant in town because every night it's a different um, plant-based meal and different, and a community member will cook it and cook for 20 people. And it's fabulous. And you won't spend any money. It'll be a month and you'll be like, I didn't actually pull out my credit card. Maybe I ordered one or two things online, but like you might not have bought anything. And that's all it's all included because it's a community. I think we have everything we need to be happy. We Wait, have, so if somebody buys, yeah. if I buy an, 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 an if I buy an NFT right now, how mm-hmm. much do I pay, and how can you use that to pay for f- my food in addition to rent on the space? So uh, currently, it's about so your NFT. Um, you purchase that, and that's you know your your membership card to our Discord. Um, and all of our on-site members are also NFT holders. So okay. then on top of that, you pay a monthly fee for access, and that's about 500 bucks. So for about 500 bucks, you get basically all the food you need, coffee in the morning. You get a place to, uh, to call home, to co-work from. You get all of your utilities. You're also a member of a community of 20 people. And if you took a slice of 20 of your favorite community members, 20 of your favorite people, and you're like, we all have something to offer. Someone's a musician. Someone's a great bread maker. Someone's a, a yoga instructor. Someone's a meditation instructor. Someone's a life coach. And what if we just said, like, hey, maybe, like, once a week you want to offer your thing to the community? all of a sudden you'd have an incredibly rich week of things to do. And by the way, you don't have to be an expert to lead an exercise class. You can throw on a YouTube video and just encourage other people to join you. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, a gym happening. And so it's all those things that we have been separated from that make us happy. And it's so much more enjoyable, I think, to be a part of a yoga class where your friend is teaching it and you didn't have to go down the street and pay 20 bucks and you don't really know the instructor, the other people you're with. And it's, you know, it's just so much more meaningful when you're part of a community that is providing those things. So I think for me, the the three big things that we can provide for each other that we've been sort of separated from is our housing, our food, our, and and our community-based services, you know. Um, I get my haircut from one of our community members. You know, we we have people do stick-and-poke tattoos. We have, like, it's a really interesting, eclectic group of people. And so for 500 bucks a month, which I think is probably a quarter of what you would spend in a city given rent, utilities, restaurants, uh, groceries. It's nothing. Yeah. Groceries so, in, in San Francisco. Well, we're a family of four, but still, we, we had work where you eat at work. Groceries alone are 1500 bucks, And then uh, well, I'm, I'm always comparing things to San Francisco. An apartment there was $5,000. It's yeah. 500 is no. nothing. Now, obviously, you're giving me a different experience, but what you're saying is look, people don't want that city experience, and I didn't. There's a lot that I didn't like about it. People also want a community. They want diversity. They want change. And this is the way to do it. Here's what I what I want to ask you, Colin. Really, man to man, why not do this as just a straight up startup? You have the backup. You have the vision. Why not say I'm going to raise money, not from Republic, but from a few VCs, and then I'm going to buy some properties myself. These people, instead of paying 500 bucks, will pay me 800 dollars rent. I'll eventually allow people to go everywhere. 
why not do it that I, I way? do want to I do want to say we do have some you know because we started four years ago we do have some VC um, some amazing VCs who are on board and I just want to thank them for being like incredibly patient and like you know willing to go out on a journey and try new things that are we I think one of the things about VCs they can recognize when something is an outlier and something's really special and maybe no one else will believe in it but one person will and they can make that happen i think that's where vcs shine compared to the dow but what i think we absolutely recognize is if i don't think what you described is the vc world i think it's like the private equity world like let's rinse and repeat let's put the money in this let's extract the profits and let's move on and just keep keep cranking it out and what you end up with is you end up with strip malls you end up with suburban home developments you end up with faceless um, or airbnb which is a very face forward company that is very that that does have good vibes and good people doesn't have to be that but airbnb have you stayed in airbnb recently it's usually it's like a gray box with a couch you know the person who owns that is just flipping it on airbnb it has become that okay so your point is it always is going to become that we can never have a thing that feels like tony shea's campground if we start with a venture firm, and even Tony Shea ended up angry at his VCs because they ruined his the work that he did by forcing him to sell. You're going to grow from the seed that's planted. And if you're going to grow from private equity, you're going to seek those 20% uh, returns and you're going to build you know housing developments and back up the strip mall. If you're really focused on the VC, uh, the VC angle, you're going to end up with... Um, a very thin platform that pushes all the risk down to the Uber driver, the homeowner, and just is out to, uh, you know, to extract the profits. We think that those are not sustainable business models. We're seeing like all this economic disruption, I think is based on non-sustainable business models. So we think a real radical notion is that you can be community funded, that you can be uh, healthy and growing and not, um, not exploitative and not extractive. Uh, and we think that you can have, you know, a triple bottom line or I like to say even a quadruple bottom line business where it's a good investment. It's good for the community. It's good for the planet. I also think, you know, the investor is like, this is the world that they want to live in. You know, do we want to live in a, in a world of increased isolation and, you know, climate change, or do we want to live in a world of like increased community and like harmony with the planet? And I don't think it's that hard of an argument to make. Okay. So, the way you started, I do see the Republic, um, uh, the Republic offer, and I have to tell you, I remember being shown this by friends when I got sick of San Francisco, and I said, "What if we should could buy some land and create this thing?" People kept sending this to me, and it was too late. The offer was already closed, so I got some time to drool over it and didn't connect it to the Dow for a long time. What I wonder now is, how do I? connect this this company that raised money from investors with this company that's selling nfts and more community how did you go from one to the other and what does one own and what does the other own we've kept um we've kept a pretty bright line and uh the the kift the company is really about the membership and kift the dow is really about land ownership and so that's like and now we're starting to experiment of like, what do the two look like 
can we take a lot of these what would be corporate functions and make them community functions? And what if we um, started to look at, you know, sharing equity with our community members? Um, I think it's an interesting, you know, we started, it's, it's really, I, sometimes I think I'm crazy. I'm like, wait, DAOs were really just last year. Like, you know, we did that Republic raise in 2021. If you said the word DAO, people would be like, yeah, that thing in 2016, people tried it. The actual original proposal for KIF 2016 was a DAO. And so I think um, there's so much, we're actually talking about like, not just theoretical something, let's buy a constitution or whatever and see if that works. We're talking mm-hmm. about people who are living and relying on this for their livelihood, for their health, their safety. Um, so we need to have some, you know, some practices that are tested, tried and true. And some like we're, we're going, we're, we're dipping our toes in this, you know, we're figuring out what we can um, put into the community's hands and what we what what needs a further check and balance but we're actively moving towards a you know fully community run experience <laughs> and you know but i am the, the the idea to i'm sorry the, the idea today if i understand you right is the the investors own this membership revenue and the expenses that go along with it the dow will own the land that all the members get to participate in Yep, that's how we're set okay. up. Um, okay. And the move is to start to explore blending those two. But if you think about right. it, when we started before DAOs were a thing and we didn't own the real estate, and also the real estate does not you know, look like a, a typical VC investment. You know, it, I think it's incredibly attractive at this point to be land banking and to you know, have some upside there. You know, but um, yeah, it's, a, it's a very different investment profile. You know, I was just talking to the founder of Under Canvas, which has these high-end glamping tents on uh, land that they buy now, but in the beginning they rented. And Sarah Dusick, who's the founder, said that one of the things that they discovered was land, even if it's even if it's a little bit outside of a city, but especially if it's so far outside that it's near national parks, is pretty inexpensive. It's cheap, and so <laughs> super like a- cheap. Uh huh. Can I just say, I'm like, we're looking at a thousand acres for, you know, a million and a half dollars, you know? So it's like, unreal. Where? What city? I'm not telling you. (laughs) Okay. I'll tell you, I'll give you one basic example that I had when I was trying to think of, I don't want to live in San Francisco. Can I just even get a place and live outside and have some friends come on hip camp, for example, maybe I put some Mm -hmm. hip camp tents and have this vibe, which is what I'm going for here in Austin, Texas. Um, What I discovered was you could get a two-bedroom apartment on our block for two to three million dollars excuse me two-floor apartment so it would be one apartment i don't remember how many uh bedrooms it broke it up into but that doesn't really matter because people will break it up into whatever they want or i can go two hours south and so that's just a little bit south of silicon valley what we call silicon valley and i could get Multiple acres for 300, 400,000. The only issue I had with that area in California was there were a lot of restrictions on what you could do on the property. And so California, like California is tough. Like the Mm -hmm. restrictions are tough. The nimbyism is terrible. Mm -hmm. But like exactly, you're probably looking down at Mercy Hot Springs area. It's pretty amazing down there two hours. I don't don't remember, but it was amazing. The weather was more beautiful than San Francisco. And here's the deal. 
if you're not going into the office every day the way my wife used to go every day and now she doesn't have to, the idea of let's just go live out and have some space and then drive up to the city when we need to it's is the fantastic. Dream. The thing it's is, like, dream. who would it's like who would you talk to as well? The question I always say is like, there's a reason. So if right. everyone from like Utah, Nevada, Wyoming, um, you know, uh, Oregon, you can shut your ears. But like, I wouldn't live there because I didn't couldn't get a job that would satisfy me like intellectually. I couldn't um, have a community rich with right. like very different personalities diverse uh, perspectives backgrounds and so I, where would i work who would i hang out with and i couldn't get on the internet and that was six months ago so now with kif we can roll up with a community of really interesting people that we want to hang out with we can work from anywhere and we have the internet and so all of a sudden you have this arbitrage where you had land that was a thousand dollars an acre in you know utah oregon you know colorado um wyoming these incredibly beautiful places and you're like it was kind of worthless before because there was no one there and there was no jobs no economy no culture and we bring all that now and so now we can look at really um you know creating these beautiful new places to live and so start off with 20 people get five groups of 20 people we've got 100 on site and get you know multiple groups of 100 and you're you've got some really interesting stuff happening um how did you get your early members the people who bought into this vision and were willing to come out when it wasn't fully there yeah we um i wrote a blog post um and i think it's called like why i started kift and it just talked about the journey and talked about freedom and community and I think those two things really resonate with people. And they're like, yes, I want freedom. I want to be able to move according to the weather, or according to my whims, or, but I also want community. And I want to cook dinner with people. I want to play guitar at night. I want to have that feeling of family that we've probably had for 100,000 years and only in the past 50, you know, 75 years have really been started, you know, with the suburbs and with uh, office work. And we've been really in the rise of technology. We've been increasingly separated from each other. And so that really resonated with people. And we just had a number of people reaching out and asking what they could do to help and saying, I have land. I want to join, etc. From this, I, I see I see what you're talking about. It's. I think it's it's quoted on the Founders Note page of Kift. You're saying you just wrote a blog post saying this is what I want, this is the life I want, and other people who had a similar vision said, "Let's see if I could help you get the land, get what you need. I want to be a part of it." Yeah, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, you invented this thing. I didn't do anything original. This is something that we've all wanted, that so many people have wanted, and this is really just about." catalyzing it put a, putting a flag in the ground saying it's okay we can do this we're gonna make it and um and frankly it's not that hard you know we're gonna figure it out and so that's um yeah that's the beauty of the community it's in as much as we think DAOs are resilient and interesting and great tools like this can happen just through dialogue you know at some point we'll hit a, a scaling problem and that's where the DAO really comes in uh to help but you know, you can sit around in a circle or on a Zoom call and, and raise a hand and say what you want and, and if there's trust and faith there. So we think it's really interesting to um, try and encapsulate 
our culture into the uh into the white paper and into the dow and into the way that we operate and uh yeah it's it's uh been a real fun process and just incredible learning experience let's talk about some of the challenges before we got started you're saying you you're telling me about the difficulty of dealing with wallets I think even experienced Web3 people have challenges with wallets, and they've developed what Paul Graham would call schlep blindness, that you just do a thing that's really difficult, and then you say, okay, I, I mean, you forget it. You forget that it's there, and it's not until someone comes and eliminates it that you realize, oh, wait a minute. It was really difficult for businesses to accept credit card processing. I'm so glad that the Carlson brothers yeah. ended up creating Stripe. Talk about some of the real challenges. I mean, that, that is the absolute truth is that we'll, we'll know that Web3 is adopted when people stop talking about it. <laughs> it's, uh, it'll just be like no one's talking about TCP IP or like, you know, like different protocols. Right. And so I think it's the same thing. I think it's also like when we get on a call like this, when we talk about DAOs, like, hey, can we talk about the DAO? I'm like, it's probably like being the 1900s and being like, let's talk about incorporation and like all the things you can do with a corporation. And Set me right. I don't think that – I think that you're right that – when we stop talking about the basic wallets and the basic infrastructure, then it means that it's established and it makes sense. But to me, maybe it's because I'm more of a business-minded person. I think it is interesting to see what the tokenomics are. I think it is. I think it's valuable to walk in saying, "Okay, if I buy an NFT and I contribute to this community, if I ever need to get out." Do I have an asset or do I just have a history of paying for something that yes. was valuable? And Absolutely. both are good, but at some point, especially when it comes to living, I want to think about what's the asset that I have. I think this is like how do you um, increase value up the real estate stack? And sorry, I glitched out for a second, but it's like how do we increase value going up the real estate stack? And so like I was buying – real estate and that's where the value was and then i realized if i put it on a building on it that would be more valuable but really like why the east village is cool or the mission is cool or it's more valuable or why williamsburg blew up so much in new york city is not because it was like ideal piece of real estate it's not like the beaver trade you know um it's really because the people made it great and so i think like we need to get to a place and we're not there mainly because of um the sec and and um, know your customer and all these other things, like why this can't be an asset that we trade. But we mm -hmm. need to get to a point that someone is creating value in their community by being a great community member. And then the, the token that they own right. is the values encapsulating that. So if I pick up the bicycles in my neighborhood that have fallen down because like I'm a nice guy and like all of a sudden, like everyone else is doing things like that. Right. And we have got a great neighborhood because of it and house values go up. Like why should the person who owns the real estate get that value? I'm the one who created the value. So I think right. that that is where right. we need to get. If you're a renter and you're a great, great member of the community and a great neighbor, the neighbor gets the neighborhood gets an advantage. You get a temporary advantage, but ultimately the long-term value goes to the landlord. I see. All right, what you're saying to me is, Andrew, I feel the pain that you're bringing up. I can't address it now because the SEC is not allowing me to say this is an asset. And my worry is, Colin, that. I don't know if you heard Adam Newman talk to Mark Andreessen in one of the A16Z conferences. There was a lot of blah, blah, blah about what his new thing is. I don't know if he was intentionally being vague or if that's just the way he talks and big ideas and not specifics. But one of the things that he kept touching on was 
There are a lot of people who don't rent. We're not going to shame them into not renting. We're going to accept that there's this, excuse me, who don't buy. There are a lot of people who don't buy. We're not going to shame them into not buying. There's a thing they're looking for in renting, but there's also another part of buying that they're missing out. And so Adam Newman wants to create some kind of financial asset that they get to have, and he didn't explain it well, but he did touch on the pain really, really um, emotionally in a way that resonates. There's also a like a core thing that we talk about challenge talking about challenges is like what do you incentivize as a to, and through tokenomics or some kind of behavior um and what do you just say like if we incentivize that it's actually going to kill it so if you're like I will pay you to love me it's like I'm not going to it's not going to be a good right. thing so like when you like we wouldn't give someone a a badge of recognition, you know, a, a token or something because they washed the dishes because that needs to come out of like your love for the community. Right. And so it's a really an interesting thing. Um, you know, we have had this strange situation where, you know, the, you know, the house is something you can live in and it can be an investment. A lot of people have seen a lot of value from that. We've also seen a lot of, you know, disaster in 2009 come out of that kind of the over exuberance in it. Yeah, I think it's it's. In, I think we shouldn't confuse like the feeling of ownership with you know this financial instrument. Frankly, I'd love to to create an abstraction where people can actually create mm-hmm. have equity in something that's more liquid than a house, but they can also right. have what I you know heard is pride of ownership. And how do you like um, really feel like? And frankly, like one of the reasons why we want to buy a place together is not because we need to own it, but like. We want to plant a garden. We want to set up an outdoor, right. you know, gym, and we want to like, you know, right. make it really cool and vibey, and not have like, and not that you can't do that with a rental place, but it's always up in the air. Like, are we going to leave next year? Is this, you know, I, I kind of re- resent it because we're making this place nice for this landlord who right. I don't really care for. Or worse, you make it nice for them, and they don't appreciate it. They tear it all down because they just need empty lot for something, and yeah. now the whole community's work is gone. Okay, I see where you're coming from. Let's talk just a, a cup about a few problems involved with web th- the Web3 part of this. And the reason I want to bring it up is not to be negative. And frankly, I don't even love highlighting Web3 anything. But I do think that if we talk about it, we present opportunities for developers, for builders to find a solution instead of having this Pollyanna oblivious to the problem that's keeping people away. And so while it's, I think, absolutely a problem, I've actually heard even internally at Origami, we set up DAOs for really technically sophisticated people. They forget which NFT they put the wallet in, they, which wallet they put the NFT into, and they have problems logging into the DAO that they're part of. And so that's one issue. What other, what other issues, and then how are you addressing them? Well, I think, um, you know, we use, um, you know, most of us use MetaMask as a wallet. We vote so we use snapshot um snapshot's pretty cool it's pretty simple it works well through the browser but you know like it's through the metamask browser um doesn't always work uh through the desktop or mobile chrome um i think i think the proposal process could be um could be slicker like right now we're using notion and it's unclear you know like you write a proposal it's hard. It's impossible to please everyone, and so you've got a bunch of comments coming in. Notion's a, a bit of a pain to uh, to build a proposal from. So I'd love to see 
tools that are like maybe I was just if people could w- comment and then if you could like upvote that comment maybe this exists please let me know um but you know you kind of want to see the weight of the comments behind these or you'll see like 10 different comments in the same vein um so i think just having some of that a little tighter um to go from uh idea to proposal to vote you know that that feels like it could just be a an all-in-one kind of thing and i think we're seeing this like we'd love to see um, less, you know, doesn't have to be on chain. Even it could be bundled up and uh, and written, you know, later. But you know, because a lot of our decisions aren't, you know, you know, are you going to spend a million dollars on this or that? It's like, let's make a new COVID policy, or like let's like update our pet policy. Um, let's figure out, you know, what our what we're buying for dinner. Um, and so, like smaller consensus building tools would be great. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. All right, let's close it out with this. Part of what you're creating is an experience. Creating, like, even this toilet that you showed me, it looks beautiful. I don't know why people kept, you have these beautiful, like, structures, beautiful campgrounds, and then they'll have one of these honey bucket plastic <laughs> things that you could smell from miles away. And go, why? Because nobody created it. I could see the jute is, it, they got something beautiful here. Um, that's easier, though, than creating the right vibe, bringing the right people in and not being somebody who's discriminating against somebody who doesn't feel like they, they – there's too many issues with how do you create the right vibe. What do you do to create the right vibe? How do you do it right? I mean it is the most critical thing is you know, if the vibe is off, it's, it's off. You know? You're not going to want to be part of the community, and if the vibe is right, people are going to want to amplify it. It sounds so simple and basic, but that is basically the key to life is finding those people that you resonate with and um, doing whatever you can to support them. We've started with an amazing group. Um, Diversify Van Life uh, has been like a huge part of us getting off the ground and, and um, building a strong community and making an open, inclusive place. But also just creating, you know, focusing kind of relentlessly on creating a safe space where people feel like they can bring their authentic selves and not be judged or criticized. And when you're in that safe space, you find that you'll try and do and be miraculous. You'll, you'll, next thing you know, you're DJing in front of a, you know, hundred people and crushing it. And even though you never did it before, you're like trying to lead a yoga class or you're like you've come out of your shell and you've told people how you really feel about different things that you've been hiding your whole life. It's a, such a liberating thing to be in a safe space like that. And that for us is everything. And so part of the core of what allows that to happen is a commitment to rejecting violence in all its forms, including like violent communication stuff that we think is normal. And back in, uh, you know, back in the corporate world, you're like, you know what? you're projecting your fears onto this other person and it's it's (laughs) we can see this happening so we all commit to learning and unlearning um behaviors and really showing up for each other to create a safe space and that's probably the biggest challenge and then the vibe the vibe sets itself and we see people we're multi-generational we have people of all ages all backgrounds and it's not just like the cool kids club. We have every kind of person and everyone's cool in their own way. And so we think that this is, yeah, this is the, the key to it. 
what about um, like what are some little touches in a that create community? Like I'll tell you the one thing I noticed is a, a campfire. If I could put a fire here, mm-hmm. people feel a sense of warmth and connection the way that that they do if you put a, a candle in the house. Even though they're not getting any warmth from the freaking fire pit, yes. they're not really sitting around it necessarily. What are some of the others that they're touches that we miss but have outsized impact on a vibe in a community? So two anchors that people, that members have brought to us and that we have um, basically anchor every single day is we have morning check-ins at 8.30 in the morning. Um, and that means we just come in, into a safe space. We talk about how we're feeling. We could be talking about how we slept or we talk about like an argument we had with a partner. Um but it's a safe space just to share about yourself and to listen to others. And we don't try and problem solve or solution in that. We're just there to listen, acknowledge, witness. And so that's a beautiful half an hour in the morning. And, you know, and then right after that is the, um, is announcements. So like, you know, who's going for a run, who's cooking dinner, what's happening. And so that really pulls people together. Um, and then, uh, at night we, every night for dinner, we, someone cooks. And so, I think there's probably, you know, 2% of the, the organization is, uh, strictly plant-based and, um, but we cook plant-based and I think that's something that actually has been something that it's like, it's like a challenge that we've all tried to figure out. And we think it's, you know, there's lots of reasons why, um, probably the biggest reason is because I'm one of those two percent and I'm like hey let's let's figure this out together and so people sharing recipes um you know learning but every night it sounds corny to say it on a podcast you know we hold hands someone tells us what we cooked and you might have five people you might have 30 people out of sight sometimes we've had up to 100 people hold hands and the chef will tell us what they cooked for everyone and then we all dig in and we eat together. And I don't know any group of people that has eaten together every single night for the past year and a half. And without arguments, you know, without this is, this is chosen family. This is what it's about. And so now we're really thinking about how we scale this, not from a, hey, how do we make the most profits in the world? But like, how do we spread this magical thing that we found and share it with other people and know that we that other people are looking for these, uh, you know, connections with each other with nature freedom and community well i'm looking forward to, to experiencing it to sharing it apparently you're going to do it here in austin around south by southwest i don't want to miss it i don't know what can i buy a ticket now can we have I put a, myself on the list we have a killer event so we're doing a talk with uh city dow folks in uh cabin dow that's uh monday 13th 11 30 south by and then later that day, we are going to have an epic kind of cities event, I think in Waterloo Park. But, you know, follow Kif Dow on Twitter um, and we'll keep everyone posted. But we have an amazing group of speakers lined up and we're just going to be talking about like how we how we figure out what's next, how we take this inflection point post COVID, post remote work and figure out the next uh, vision. OK. All right. Colin, thanks so much for being on here. Andrew, thank you so much. Great questions.